Welcome to Guy at the Movies Live, your weekly source for the biggest movie news and discussion with special guests popping in along the way. This is episode five. I didn't update my outline, so almost said four. But as always, if you are watching live here on YouTube as part of Guy at the Movies Live, I'll be interacting with your comments throughout the show as I can, firing them up there, trying to catch Sean off guard. Speaking of, Sean, how the hell are you doing? Joe, I'm, I'm doing great. Um, I've started to worry about myself, though, um, <laughs> in quarantine. Um, I've, I've started to uh, pass up social events and not wanting to go out and just wanting to... Uh, watch movies on the couch. And I feel like Brooks Hadlin in Shawshank Redemption, where I'm an institutional <laughs> man now. Um, I, it's, it's become a problem. Um, but I am going out and seeing people a little by little, and uh, I'm having fun. So the grocery good... store clerks don't count. <sighs> Crap. Okay, so um, <laughs> I'm starting to go out and see people. There, did you see that? Oh, you know, here, here we are. Um, a, a wonderful <laughs> Tuesday evening in Quarantineville. Um, I, there was that meme today or yesterday. I don't know. I saw it was, uh, it was, was it Robert Downey Jr. or something? But it was like 2020 canceling plans. And it showed them being like me having no plans <laughs> that were canceled or something like that. Um, I was like, yeah, I trained for this my entire life. It's wonderful. Yeah. Well, they um, about the uh, basketball players in the bubble. It's like, what a nightmare it must be for them to be like in the hotel in the whole time. Like, they got Wi Fi, right? I'm, I'm yeah. set. Like, I'm good. Like, that, like, you know. Podcast, Netflix, let's go. Like, let's do this. Right. Yeah, it, it was funny uh, listening to sports radio earlier. They're like, let's go in the bubble with. I'm like, this is so weird. Where are we? What is going on in this world? But hey, listen, I realize that I am not a big fan of the opening, um, which I have only tweaked a little bit since the podcast first started and obviously need to update a little bit better with you now being on uh, and carrying the, the weight of the podcast on your shoulders. So here's what I'm going to do. On what will be, would have been Robin Williams' 69th birthday, which we'll talk about after this little shindig. He would make We're no gonna, joke. What's that? He would have made no jokes about that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, <laughs> when we just talked about it before, you said nice. <laughs> <laughs> but here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to read you options for new openings, and I want you to tell me your honest thoughts about them. Cool? Let's do it. All right. Option number one. This is Guy at the Movies Live, a weekly live talk show that doubles as a podcast where you can get all your movie news. There it is. I like that. Yeah, short, sweet. Short, sweet, to the point. Okay, next one. We've got opinions, and you're going to fucking hear them every Tuesday here at 9 p.m. Eastern and released as a podcast the following morning. That, I think, has already been taken by a Fox News show, so I don't think we can use that. <laughs> And they will too. <laughs> no, no, they're fine with that. No holding grudges. <laughs> All right, final one. We've got uh that's the same one. Final one. Hey, we've got a podcast. You're sitting on your ass at home. What else are you gonna do? Listen to the pod, okay? <laughs> that that one speaks too personal to who I am. Um, so you know, while relatable, um, I think we gotta go with that first one. I think it's a lovely move. Um, it's the, the least aggressive. Um, but the most to the point, which is really what we're looking for in the balance. All right. Well, look, we'll we'll go back to the drawing board a little bit. We won't uh, won't be <laughs> sold on that one. But um, anyway. All right. So hey, let's let's get to some of the stuff we wanted to talk about. First and foremost, I just mentioned a minute ago, Robin Williams uh, would have been sixty nine today. Uh, he passed away six years ago this August, I believe it is. Um, and it's funny seeing a lot of posts today. Like, what was your favorite? 
movie from him? What was your favorite, you know, interaction uh, or I guess clip of something you saw? The, his stand-up clips are all over the internet today. And I was joking that I saw one about golf and him talking about like adapting pool and, or billiards to like golf and being like, yeah, there's a hole, but we're going to put it yards away and all kinds of that. Um, but what are your favorite Robin Williams films? This is such a difficult question because this was probably one of my favorite actors, one of my favorite actors in comedy, one of my favorite actors in drama. He is someone that just exemplified balancing both. Um, he was one where when the death hit, it was the saddest I've ever been. I was literally on the Cape and just, you know, moping into a, um, a bowl of clam chowder at a nice restaurant. Um, and w with this, it's I want to think about the movie that can balance his comedy and his drama the most. And I look at it and I have to think that Mrs. Doubtfire might be it for me in that regard. Um, but in terms of my favorite performance of his, I think I, uh, oh man, no, you know what? This is where it gets tough because I was going to say Dead Poet Society, but now I might go back to Good Morning Vietnam as well. But um, That's the problem with his movies. You keep thinking of other ones that he was in. <laughs> And he is one of the few where um, I do a segment on my uh, Instagram page, Math Teacher Movies, um, where uh, it's what the Academy Ding. got wrong. <laughs> uh, what the Academy got wrong. And one of the things I said is that he should have been nominated for Best Supporting Actor as the genie in Aladdin, which is just something where it's very difficult because like no voice performances really ever get nominated for Oscars. And so um, it's one of those things where looking at that one, it's just so dynamic. It's so perfect. And so I answered your question with uh, four to five different answers. So, <laughs> but what would you say yours is? I don't know. I, I was thinking about that earlier and I was thinking about some of the more ridiculous ones. Um, I, he was in one hour photo, which is completely, you know, not his type of movie that you're used to seeing him in. Um, and it was extremely creepy, but he played it so well, so well. Um, so I really enjoy that one. Um, <laughs> When I was a kid, I loved Flubber. <laughs> Remember Flubber? I love Flubber. Oh, my God. I saw that in theaters. Oh, man. Beautiful. Um, but Aladdin, definitely. I mean, Jumanji. He always brought crazy characters to life very well. And that was something that I, I really I really miss in, in a lot of the roles that we're seeing today. I mean, and even roles that he that are being redone that he had been in before, right? So... Um, we talked last week a little bit about uh, the Aladdin live action and mm -hmm. you know, Will Smith made it his own, but he incorporated a lot of Robin Williams into his uh, into his performance because you can't replace Robin Williams' performance. You can only kind of adapt it and, you know, make it your own. So one of his uh, more modern ones that I watched after his passing um, was uh, World's Greatest Dad, a, um, a very, very, very dark comedy directed by Bobcat Goldthwait. And the two of them were great friends. And it was kind of marvelous watching that. It, it was a pretty subdued performance from him. But the, the movie itself is just makes you absolutely cringe. It's the epitome of morbid, dark comedy. And I can't even say more about it because I didn't know anything about it walking in. And I was just I was just gobsmacked by it. I've never heard of that, but I am adding it to my list. World's Greatest Dad? World's Greatest Dad, yeah. On the list. All right. Every time I leave this podcast, I have a list of like three more movies to watch, thanks to you. So it's not helping me. I need to get outside and do something during quarantine. Isn't it great when your to-do list for movies is just getting longer because of the quarantine? Where it's just, <laughs> I can do all of this. It's like, I can't do all of this. <laughs> yeah, and then you have some of the streaming, streaming services, and we'll get to this in a little bit, that are like all in on like, we're releasing this, and we're going to do this, and we're releasing more of this. And <laughs> I don't know. 
But yeah, so Robin Williams would have been 69 today. Terrible loss. Um, but you know, I, I'm glad to see that his legacy lives on. It, it was so nice logging on this morning and being like, ugh, another day in quarantine, but seeing all these clips and memories of him. That was, you know, he's just so funny. And his face when he would tell jokes during stand-up, oh my God. Cracking talked about his stand-up. His stand-up was brilliant in a way where it's almost like the old roast comedians, where you didn't understand some of the jokes. <laughs> Definitely did. But the way he delivered them was so funny. Like I remember as a little kid laughing, not understanding the references. But his delivery and his energy just made it funny no matter what. Yeah, that's 100% true. 100% true. Well, I don't have a good transition to our news stories, <laughs> so um, I'll work on that for next time. But uh, – what we're gonna we're to do we're we're to do what we're going to do rather is jump into all the news that got released and dumped yesterday because there was a ton of uh, movie news that got released today. I think there was like one story, two stories, whatever. But yesterday, you literally messaged me and we're like, "God, tomorrow's gonna be a long podcast." <laughs> <laughs> uh, so let's start with the unfortunate news that we all saw coming. Tenet has been delayed once again, but this time it's been delayed indefinitely. However, they do hint towards an unconventional release, whatever that means. Uh, and in addition to that, we also found out that the Broken Hearts Gallery, which is produced by Selena Gomez about a young woman who uh, creates a museum of keepsakes from all of her old relationships, uh, that's been delayed indefinitely. So removed from the calendar is the terminology you see used. And then the third installment of The Conjuring has been moved to June of 2021, I believe June 4th, um, which which is also interesting. Horror movies in the summer are usually not the, the way to go. It's usually earlier in the year. But uh, thoughts, comments, questions, concerns? It's just great to know that Christopher Nolan finally found out that Tenant can't play this summer because he seemed <laughs> to be the only guy on the planet that knew that. Um, so I, I, I saw this news and obviously no one's surprised at all. And, you know, it, it does say imminently. So it could mean that like, you know, Hey, there's, they're still hoping for December, but this is a, you know, he wants this to be a summer movie. He wants this to be a summer blockbuster. It's coming out in the summer of 2021. Um, I, I think about this and the, the, the global rollout won't be traditional. I've done a little bit more research on this and it says that this might be a thing where it gets released in other countries and not in America. Hmm. Now, this sounds terrible on a few fronts. First of all, um, we're Americans and no other country exists. Hoorah. But the other <laughs> issue I have here is that, you know, the, the real, the, the genuine issue is that, you know, this is going to mean that there's going to be online spoilers from other countries. That's going to mean that people are just going to bootleg Tenet. And I can never imagine watching a bootleg version of a Christopher Nolan movie for the first time. I will not yeah. do that. But that will be what a lot of people do. And so the issue there is that, oh, Tenet's not going to make as much money. Globally, in other countries, it will make a lot of money. But it's not going to make any American dollars then. So then what do you think? Will Nolan sacrifice like a part of his, you know, beautiful, um, you know, like uh, legacy and have it released on VOD in America? Would that be part of the untraditional nature? I know he doesn't want to do that. I know he doesn't want to do that at all. Will they push it all the way back? But the the that's what I heard about the non-traditional rollout is them releasing it in other countries, but not in America where we can't go to theaters. And that that just seems like a like you're losing money. And Nolan's not in it for money. Nolan's in it for it being released in the theaters. But I, I just think that that's a little bit of something that might not work out for them. Yeah, I agree with that. I think that's kind of an interesting move only because 
Nolan films are always shrouded in secrecy, so releasing them elsewhere is just going to invite spoilers, which are undoubtedly going to spread across the internet. Um, and before I did this watch along this past week, I was very against uh, watch along of Inception, I should say. I was very against the rumors that there is a connection between Inception and Tenet, and I've kind of been a little more sold on it, um, <laughs> or at least a little more intrigued about how it could happen with, you know, the fact that he was writing uh, Tenet at the same time that he was writing Inception. Inception ended up coming out first. Um, you know, you're playing with time here. Maybe Robert Pattinson is the son from Inception. Michael Caine pops up in this movie again. Maybe there's some connection. So I, it really got me thinking. Um, so I don't want to be spoiled in that sense because I will undoubtedly read one. I, I, I'm on the internet too much uh, as it is, and I always come across a spoiler and never expect to. But you know, there's that piece. Then to the unconventional piece, I also wonder if they're thinking about like a drive-in type movie Mm -hmm. um, experience. There's a lot of news about different shows like concerts and stuff going outside and doing like drive-in shows. I'm wondering if that would be something that they would do with Tenet and maybe that leans towards the unconventional. Now you're not going to really be able to, I think, accommodate as many people. Um, I, I don't know. That's kind of just off the top of my head, but it, it it's not unexpected. We knew this was going to happen. Um, yeah. I'm glad that Nolan finally realized there's a pandemic going on and agreed to it. But uh, I understood what his goal was. It just wasn't realistic. He wanted to yeah. be the movie to come out of the pandemic. He wanted to be the hot summer movie, like the first one from the pandemic out of theaters. And that's not going to be something realistic because as we've talked about on a different podcast, this thing's not just going to shut down on like August right. or something. Right. Like, you know, this is going to be something that fades away, but that's the issue there. I work in higher education, and um, one of the things that we were seeing like last month was the plans for coming back uh, in the fall. People were saying that they were just gonna, you know, start up in the fall and then end by October. I was like, does the pandemic have like a, a stop date of like end of August, and you know, I'll be back in October? <laughs> Is it taking a vacation? I don't understand how that works. So I don't know. I, I it's it's a shame. It's not going to be the last movie to be moved. I think we know that Mulan is, I think coming out a week after or was scheduled to come out a week after it. That's going to be moved soon because Disney does not want to be the first one out of the gate with anything, especially in August. We're not going to see that happening. Um, Disney has some interesting ones because they have both Mulan and black widow, two yeah. of them that they have not submitted to moving to 2021 while everything else has submitted to moving to 2021. Yeah. Like, I mean, you got like uh, In the Heights, which, you know, is a summer movie. So got moved to 2021. I mean, um, Fast and the Furious 9 got moved to 2021. Um, so th like most of these are just like already just saying like, okay, yeah, this summer shot, let's go. And I'm not sure what Disney's holding out on. Are they thinking about Disney Plus releases? That sounds like a not a great idea because they you know they want those to be cash cows. But, you know, I mean, if, if Mulan and uh, Black Widow will up the... Uh, up the Disney Plus subscribers like Hamilton did, maybe it's worth it. So um, that's the situation. Yeah, movie theaters now—it's just going to be—it's—it's a wash. I mean, like 2020 is a wash. It's going to be Netflix films and whatever you want to put on VOD that doesn't need to be seen in the theaters. And like you know, it's going to be a very interesting Oscars with that. But you know, theaters—I don't think are happening in 2020. I, I want them back. I want them bad. So it's like I want them back. Like I, I really do. But they're just not realistic at this point. Yeah, you make interesting points with the VOD. Um, the New Mutants is one that we've talked about before, how it's been moved 80,000 times. 
Um, and they're, they said they were committed to a release, but yesterday a, a trailer came out teasing uh, in August or maybe early September, or maybe it was August, I don't know, uh, drop on Disney Plus, but it was fan-made. So it got everyone like up in a tizzy for a little bit, but it was fan-made. Um, there's certain movies that I don't think Disney wants to dump on Disney Plus. I, I think the new mutants they're holding out uh, I, I think they kind of feel like they owe it to the cast. At least that's that's the story I like to tell myself. I hope yeah. they do that. Um, Milan, because of the great pains that they went to make it, you know, culturally appropriate and culturally accurate, uh, and because of how much that story is going to mean to a Chinese audience, I don't think they're going to put that on either. Mm-hmm. And then Black Widow, they're already getting enough shit for waiting so long to have black widow as the you know the lead in her own film that to finally just dump it onto disney plus on the streaming i think is gonna not be the best message um and the best pr that they want what's interesting with warner brothers uh and depending on like what ends up happening with tenet is they they do have a couple big dates already uh, uh occupied by big movies so warner brother or warner brothers Wonder Woman 84 is coming out in October at this point and then Dunes in December. So they do have dates to work with to move back um, if they wanted to. But like you said, I think it's going to be a wash for 2020. Um, And I think they already they probably figured out their plan with Tenet or they're figuring it out and they're just holding out and before telling us anything. Um, But I I do agree with you. They want to make it a blockbuster. They want to make it an event. So it's not just going to be dropped randomly in a, you know, oh, maybe the theaters will be back open. Maybe they won't date. Yeah, and it's a Nolan movie. Nolan movies are events, so you want that kind of um, you know you, you you want that to be something that they'll go to see. Like yeah, yeah, should be interesting. Well, that's not the only thing being canceled or delayed. Um, we're seeing that with a lot of the film festivals going on around the world too. So, um, Telluride, which is one of the larger festivals that takes place in Boulder, Colorado, I believe it is, uh, has just they were holding out for a long, long time. Um, trying to to figure out a virtual experience or something of that sort. Um, but they just canceled their 2020 uh, edition of the festival. Uh, many others have yet to announce either way. There's some smaller ones, some larger ones that are overseas, like Shanghai's is still ongoing. Uh, and then Toronto International Film Festival, TIFF, is in September. And they're doing like an in-person slash virtual hybrid type thing that I didn't really dive too deep into, but I also wonder if that's going to change. However, Canada seems to be doing a little better than we are down here south of the border. So are you a film festival guy? Like, do you, do you follow that that news, what's coming out of them? Or So I am a tremendous, tremendous Oscar guy. And therefore, citing the transit of property, I am also a film festival guy. Yeah, Math Teacher Movies, exactly. (laughs) And Telluride is the granddaddy of Oscar film festivals. That thing is where, like, you find out, based on just submissions, what is going to be big. Toronto and Telluride are the big moments. Um, A few years back, and, you know, this is a bad example, but A Star is Born um, was a movie that they could have just released, wide release and stuff like that. They put it through the festivals because they knew it was going to be that good. And so that was one where everyone sort of said, they're putting it through the festivals. That means it's good. And then, you know, obviously it turned out to actually be good. And then, you know, that led to it getting uh, the five big Oscars, best picture, best actor, best actress, uh, best, oh, wait, crap, now I'm thinking. 
this. But um, it, it unbelievable, unbelievable. I'm, I'm still bitter. I'm still rather bitter. But um, I, I think about this, and Telluride is a good predictor. And one of the big ones was um, Soul. Pixar's Soul was going to be at Telluride. And oh, wow. No, because they and you know Pixar does not need to put a movie in a film festival ever, and they're putting it in there. And they said like, all right, we want to get this getting some Oscar buzz. So they have something special with that movie. And so you know there was numerous others where that were in the same boat, um, where they said like, you know, now those won't be seen by a film festival crowd. Does that mean anything for Oscars? Maybe it does. Maybe it doesn't. A lot of Oscar voters go to these things. Um, and so, you know, this is just going to be, obviously, this is already going to be an Oscar season that's going to be, you know, I don't like to say that it's going to be an asterisk kind of thing, but this is going to be a very different Oscar season with very different results. Yeah, you're completely right. I mean, it's uh, the sports fan of me says the same thing with sports seasons that are going on that have been truncated, you know, like. I'm like, I've said this to you before, but as a Flyers fan, I'm like, of course, this is the season that we would be doing well and have a chance because if we win, it's always going to be like, yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, it's really fascinating, right? Especially given that there's a lot of festivals out there that are relied on for selling the distribution rights to uh, certain films. And um, I just, uh, I, I don't know. I, I don't, I don't know if virtual has the same experience. I just did one this past weekend. Uh, with Philadelphia Film Festival um, or Film Society, they did a virtual festival, and uh, it was well done. I mean, it was the best they best they could do, but it wasn't like you were getting premieres of anything, or you know, it was kind of like here's the movie link, go watch it whenever. Um, we're gonna have Q and A scheduled at these times. That was cool. That was nice to see, but um, it's just not the same. So I can't wait to like physically be able to get into the mix of, you know, paying attention to what's happening at the the festivals, even going to some festivals. Um, that was kind of on my bucket list to do this year, to try to get to, and of course pandemic. Um, but well, Southwest tried that virtual film festival on Amazon and that kind of turned into a bust. Um, I looked on there and it was a ton of short films, which by the way, great and i'm happy that like artists are getting their showcase and stuff like that where they normally would be seeing that they'd be showing those in front of them but you know when it came to it you know i'm i'm watching as many movies as i can and i don't have enough short films that you know i haven't heard of those people and you know I, I i'm happy they got their showcase but it's just not exactly the same thing yeah totally with you there totally with you there all right moving on Someone else that made a lot of news or a company that made a lot of news and is probably paying their PR person really, uh, really handsomely, so to speak, uh, is Netflix. Because Netflix dropped a ton of news the past few days. First and foremost, they released their list of their top 10 most successful films or all-time top 10 original films, I guess is how they framed it. Uh, these were films that were released on Netflix and they judged it by the uh the number of viewers in the first four weeks i believe it was okay did you take a look at this list i'm looking at it now but i did take a look at it before yeah all right let's start with number 10 the perfect date i don't know what that is no um i, I heard about this um heartthrob in the lead uh so you know teenage girls really dug it that's probably why it's on there gotcha the platform did you watch the platform i did watch the platform um i, I watched the platform because everyone's wouldn't stop talking about the platform, which is probably why the platform's at number nine. Um, and, uh, you know, maybe that, you know, the platform was once at number two, and then the platform was once at number 252, and then the platform was once at number 30. That's a reference to the platform. If you haven't seen the platform, which apparently you have seen the platform, you can sit number I, nine. But that's, you know, one of the situations there. Um, yeah. I think that was a quarantine type of movie. That was when the quarantine was at its peak. 
and people would watch something that was disturbing. Good. I liked it. Um, didn't love it, but it was, you know, that kind of deal. I'm right there with you. How about the wrong Missy? Did you like the wrong Missy? I am a huge Lauren Lapkus fan. Okay. And I, I love Lauren Lapkus. And I think she's so funny. The wrong Missy. And it's, it's a moment, you know, Sam and I were watching it and the two of us groaned at the same time when they started to make the female lead that was supposed to be a nightmare, they started to make her the love interest and they started to put her serious. And it was like, almost like you saw the 180 turn. And it was just like, Oh God, <laughs> you know what you're getting with those kinds of movies. Like, come on. And of course they're doing that. Cause that's how the character grows. And, but like I, that one was, could have been this like, you know, fun offbeat comedy and was for the first half, but I can see why that's up there. It doesn't, I mean, it has David Spade, but it doesn't really have the big names, but you know, it has the happy Madison kind of trail going to it. And that's something big. Yeah. I'm with you there. All right. For the sake of time, I'm going to just jump through them real quick. And uh, if there's anyone that you want to talk about, just point it out. But number seven was triple frontier with Ben Affleck. I didn't see that actually. Hmm, I did. Big Good time. <laughs> well, uh, it's, 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 it's okay. <laughs> It's 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 a fun action movie. The Irishman. Never saw it. You never saw it? No, I'm kidding. I see. <laughs> oh my god. Um, <laughs> I saw it in theaters actually, uh, a local theater here. So I'm I'm not one of these 64 million viewers. But Murder Mystery, soon to be Murder Mystery two. I did. Oh, there is going to be a second one. Oh yes, there is. Of course, Netflix is trying to milk every film they can. That's very true. Yes, I did see that one as well. Okay. Six Underground. I saw the opening car chase, and I think I saw enough after that. They killed the best character in the opening car That's chase. That's what I said. I was just like, Dave Franco got murdered viciously. Spoilers, <laughs> I think. Um, and I was just like, I'm done. Nope. Spencer Confidential with Post Malone. Wish I didn't see that one. <laughs> I didn't. So, yeah. um, Bird Box. Did you oh, see that one? <laughs> still up for the memes. <laughs> uh, soon to get a sequel as well. Uh, and then Extraction, 99 million viewers. So if I'm looking at all these, um, Extraction makes the most amount of sense um, at the top. I mean, I'm somewhat surprised to see it at the top, but Extraction makes a lot of sense because it was just like Platform. It was at a quarantine level. It was an action movie with a huge star at the moment where we needed an act. Like, we needed that action movie. Like, yeah, we're comedies in quarantine. We're getting dramas in quarantine. We needed the action movie, so we just went with that. Um Bird Box also makes sense, like I said, because Netflix hired a bunch of people to make memes and everyone just started to say they need to see it for the memes. I haven't heard anyone talk about Spencer Confidential, and the fact that that's number three really surprises me. Because, I mean, I don't even care about that it's a bad movie, but it, it is. Um, but um, <laughs> for me, it's just that I didn't really hear that at all. And so the fact that that's all the way to number three, same with Six Underground. I heard a little bit about it. Murder Mystery makes sense uh, being on here because it's an Adam Sandler movie, and they love to have the Adam Sandler movies. The biggest surprise for me is The Irishman at number six because I think everybody saw The Irishman around that time. And I understand that it's three and a half hours, so that probably diverts a lot of viewers. But The Irishman was a kind of a big cultural moment. It was happening like during the Thanksgiving weekend where you can, you know, put it on like for a while with the family and stuff like that. And then people had to watch it again because the family was being annoying. And like, <laughs> so it was just one of those things where I, I think that that one is the biggest surprise for me is that, that it's not low. It's in the top 10, but that is yeah. probably the largest surprise. Um, I also, you know, I mean, this is Netflix. Um, I've seen the you know top ten that Netflix has every single uh, you know 
every single day or something like that. And I have to wonder, and you sort of gave some qualifiers, but what constitutes as a watch? Five minutes, 10 minutes, 15 minutes? Did I technically it's, watch the underground? It's two minutes, I think. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I have to go back. I, I did write a do a write-up on it on guidetomovies.com last week when they released this, but I think it was two minutes for some reason. Oh, uh, it's an ind- doing a bit. It's two minutes? I really do think that. Um, all right. Well, uh, keep talking. <laughs> yeah. no, um, <laughs> Apparently, I've seen Six Underground then. I'm one of the 83 million. Uh, I'm trying to, because I know they've played with like what counts as a viewer a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, and this was, oh, I just found myself on Google here. Uh, a viewer is defined as any subscriber who watches a title for two minutes or more. You've seen a lot more than you give yourself credit for. <laughs> I think I've seen all of these because uh, I've seen the automatic play. I mean, what, what is that? <laughs> oh, my God. Like, come you, didn't on. Shut, you didn't shut the automatic play off when they gave us that option? You know, I, I couldn't figure out how, and I just you know, kept it on. It's quarantine. I'm very busy. Well, Netflix is hoping to add to this list of their top original films because they are spending a ton of money. Transition. Uh, Netflix just committed its largest budget yet, $200 million for The Gray Man. It's an adaptation of a book series. Uh, Ryan Gosling, Chris Evans will star. Uh, Chris Evans and Ryan Gosling are obviously two big stars that Netflix is hoping to capitalize on. The Gray Man is a longer book series that they're hoping to build a franchise out of. Uh, Anthony, Joe and Anthony Russo, uh, Avengers Endgame, um, are going to direct, and it is essentially an espionage thriller. Thoughts? My, my, my thoughts are my head just exploded. This is amazing. <laughs> I mean, like, you you have, like, you know, Anthony and Joe Russo, top of their game. They just, like, got the number one Netflix watch as a distraction. <laughs> and also they have Avengers Endgame as, like, the, the biggest, um, you know, movie, you know, in the past decade, really. I mean, budget-wise, or not budget-wise, excuse me, uh, uh, box office-wise. And um, they are right now doing an espionage crime thriller with two of the, <clears throat> yeah, handsomest men ever. <laughs> really is going to be something where it's like, you know, tell me that like Ryan Gosling and Chris Evans are in a spy thriller. I'm like, oh yeah, no, theaters are unsafe to go to right now. I'm going to the theater. Wait a minute. I don't have to go to the theater. It's at Netflix. Are you kidding me? This is everything for me. And it's got them right there. And you know, I, I, I never read the, uh, like, I don't know what the gray man is. I don't read, but um, I, <laughs> I'm blown away by how like, you know, the Netflix was able to nab something like this and just yeah. such a huge amount of stars. Yeah, I'm with you there. I mean, where are they getting their money? Netflix just has a ton of money to throw around. And that, I mean, goes to, you know, discussion of the next one here, which is Denzel Washington and Julia Roberts reuniting for a movie that Netflix just won the rights to, um, which is what Leave the World Behind based Mm -hmm. on an upcoming novel, um, which is, did you read the summary of it? It's kind of interesting. They like, I think they live in New York City. They go to Long Island Beach for you know, vacation or whatever. I guess they're renting a house uh, from another couple. That couple shows up and says that there is a major blackout in New York City. Uh, and then there, it's all like, was there or wasn't there? And if there was, who did it? And can we trust these people? Can they trust us? Weird setup. I don't really know. Um, but that's what's happening. So I just absolutely, I love that plot. And now that I know that Sam Esmail is behind this thing and he's working with that plot, I mean, Sam Esmail has done um, 
Oh, I, I forgot he's worked with uh, Julia Roberts before in Homecoming. But uh, Sam Esmail is a big TV guy between uh, Mr. Robot, which was the That's the one. Trickiest show to ever do. I mean, <laughs> trickiest. Like you know, he ended that, and he just like you know the the gymnast that had the broken leg stuck the landing, and like it was just like because that was just the hardest thing to ever end, and he ended it perfectly. And it's just trippy and strange, and so something where there's going to be like this ambiguous atmosphere to it. I mean, yeah. right, right away, I'm on board with all of that because you know you got first of all two of the biggest stars, Denzel Washington just oozes stardom. Julia Roberts is just amazing, and then you know you put Sam Esmail on that, where I really think this is going to be something that's going to be celebrated. Yeah, I'm with you. I'm I'm pretty pumped for it. I love those two actors. Um, it's nice to see Denzel do something different than some of the other films that he had been in for the longest time, like the equalizer and stuff like that. Like, I feel like it was always, um, what was the other one? Ta Time's up or so no. Oh, oh, deja vu. Deja vu. Yeah. And but then that's out of time as well, actually. So which one out of time as well, out of time. That's the one I was thinking yeah. of. I felt like a lot of them were just very similar in a lot of ways. So I'm excited to see this. I'm excited to see them reunite. They haven't been together since, uh, 93 mm. with the pellet, the Pelican brief. Mm -hmm. um, so, I, you know, what this reeks of to me is Netflix wanting to step out of that, uh, I, I guess, that niche that they found themselves in recently. I think that they're starting to be pigeonholed um, and known for kind of crappy movies. You know, they're, a lot of the movies that have come out, they haven't necessarily been major hits. I would argue I love Extraction. I thought Extraction was a very good movie. I was very into it. Um, and they're trying to build a franchise off of that, of course. And um it's obvious that that's what they want to do to keep some longevity going instead of just throwing money at the wall and seeing what sticks. But um, that, I think that's what they're doing here with spending for some of these big projects. Book adaptations are all the rage, right? It's a proven property. Um, it's just all about adaptation. Yeah. I mean, I look at, you know, how it's been in the past, as you were talking about, you know, it used to be where, I mean, this was only like three or four years ago where, you know, a Netflix movie would come out, it would be bad. And you just say, hey, it's a Netflix movie. Or like something like, you know, Stuber would be in theaters and like, oh, this would be better as a Netflix movie, which is like, you know, oh, cool. A C movie should be like, and it's, really, it's like something where it's just that's what their um, legacy has been. And then, you know, they then they launch out. What, I think the big turn of events for them was Mudbound, which didn't get a lot of attention. Mm. But um, that was something that started to get attention. It's like, wait a minute, wait a minute. That's a Netflix movie. They got nominated for an Oscar. How does that happen? And then all of a sudden, like, you know, a year or two later, I think a year later, it was Roma. And then Roma, like, almost taps on the door of winning and doesn't probably doesn't win because there's a, you know, appeal against Netflix, which we could get into later in the Oscars if we want to, like, you know, when that comes, because it's going to be very interesting because Netflix is going to be really banging on the door for winning a Best Picture Oscar if we really get into it. Um, then last <laughs> year was just Marriage Story, Irishman, and it was just like this one-two punch of just Netflix movies. There have been other two popes was in there as well. Yeah, that's true too. Um, I don't mean to discredit those films because I definitely think they're. Like, I love Marriage Story. That was one of my favorites. That may have been my favorite of last year. I don't know, um, but the they were obvious Oscar bait movies, yeah. and the release time I think showed that. Um, with this, with with these films, I feel like they're trying to build that catalog, right? And keep mm -hmm. them as a destination throughout the year instead of just for like, hey, we're going to throw money and acquire these films or give, you know, Martin Scorsese the money to do the film that no one else will give him. Uh, let's let's roll with it. I think now they want to be shown as like, no, we're going to be an actual studio yeah. and we're going to be consistent. I, I like that idea. I, I think you're absolutely right with that. Yeah. Yeah. I'm pumped. All right. 
my favorite story of the week. <laughs> I knew you'd love this one. <laughs> Were you a Power Rangers fan growing up? I was. Um, I was the Red Ranger for Halloween. There you I, go. I, I was the perfect Red Ranger. That's what my mother <laughs> <there. laughs> We'll We'll have her on next week to discuss. But Absolutely. so... Over the past couple of weeks, uh, a, a bunch of news has been breaking. So a little backup is that in 2017, we got a total reboot of Power Rangers with DeCray Montgomery uh, as the Red Ranger, a, a more diverse cast. Um, they were It was kind of more alien-based. They leaned into that a little bit more. They effed with Alpha, which I think was the downfall of the movie. Mm-hmm. Um, but they um, it wasn't the greatest. Elizabeth Banks was Rita Repulsa, who I, re- I really like her. But um, it just it didn't work on all in all aspects. I, we talked about this before at some point. I don't know how Power Rangers movies came up, but um, now they're going to go back to the drawing board a little bit. And I think back to a little bit more of what is known with the Power Rangers. So I'm going to read the news a little bit because it there was a lot of it, but uh, Hasbro and Paramount are working on rebooting the Power Rangers and comicbook.com reported that the new film will take place in the same universe as the television show, which is pretty fascinating because they have tons of seasons to go off of, tons of uh, continuity there. Uh, and the new tale is reportedly going to see uh, an expanded new group of Rangers. So not just sticking to the traditional five, um, but they'll be sent back in time by Zordon uh, as Lord Zed threatens Angel Grove and presumably the world. Finally, the new team of Rangers is going to be more diverse. So they want to look at uh, covering different races, different members of the LGBTQIA community, and they want to focus on a female lead. So uh, what do you think about this? Because I'm I'm kind of ecstatic. I'm excited. I think it's good that they're going back to the drawing board on the Power Rangers movie from before. I think that that was... I, I don't even want to call it a flop because I think it was there, there, there was some great parts. There were some entertaining moments. It had fun bits to it. And yeah. uh, I think it got a little, they got a little bit too, um, I mean, uh, trigger happy with the special effects. And yeah. That, that, yeah, that was the alpha issue. And um, I, I think that, you know, if they can get more to the human stories, which it looks like this, I'm right now very into time travel. I've just started season three of Netflix's Dark, um, and uh, I'm now convinced that there's three other worlds, and uh, everybody is Jonas. So I, it, it just gets to the point where I don't know what like is real anymore. Um, but I, I look at this, and I don't know much about the Power Rangers. Um, a lot of what you said, um, I don't want to say went right over my head because my hair is far too thick for that. Um, but it, it just it was it was a little bit where um, I think about it, and I think back to the drawing board, starting over with this would probably be the best move. Yeah, I'm with you, and I think that one of the problems with a lot of the movies that we see made based off of properties that a lot of us grew up with is that they do deviate too much from it, thinking that we all want something new and something updated and that's not i'm speaking for myself i will speak for every movie fan out there and say that what we want is you know stick stay to the original story or true to the original story but take it in a new direction do something different in that sense don't completely reboot the origin and all that jazz so you know i'm with you the power rangers movie in 2017 wasn't the best to me um I I actually have gone back and watched it a few times and each time it like loses a little something for me. One of my biggest criticisms of it is they took too long to get to the actual ranger piece. Like you don't yeah. really see them as rangers too much. Um, and then they completely just screwed with some of the characters like Goldar at the end is completely not what he was in the comics or in the uh, comics in the um, 
uh, TV show. Yeah. You know, he's he's some comic relief as well as a bad guy and uh, kind of a, an old faithful of the series. So to be a one and done monster was kind of weird. But I don't know. I'm kind of cool. I I'm kind of cool with the news, I should say. They're sticking to, it seems like, a lot of what made the original series popular, what made the original live action movies popular. Um, you know, Ivan Ooze, I don't know if he'll be back, hopefully not. Um, but there's, you know, a lot to play with there. There's a lot of history with the Rangers. Um, I'm sure they can get most of the Rangers that are still alive to come back for, you know, next to nothing. They did have Tommy and Kimberly make a cameo in the last one for a split second. Um, (laughs) but did you ever see complete side note? There was a YouTube, uh, short film. It was like an R rated power Rangers. Oh, I have heard about this. I don't. I'm gonna send it to you. Though. yeah, send that to me. I'm curious to see what that would be like. It's really awesome, but <laughs> um, I'm excited for it. It's something you know from my childhood that I'm I'm happy to see back. I uh, would like to see it done well. Um, and it seems like you know Hasbro and Paramount are really going all in on these older properties. Uh, there was a story last week uh, about um, Hasbro and they're battling with Mattel. So like there's movies like hot wheels coming. There's a Barbie movie. There's like, you know, basically if there's a toy, they're going to try to make a story out of it. Um, so Hasbro has their all spark productions with, uh, which comes from transformers. So they're just trying to build all that up. So we'll, we'll see with that one. I'm, I'm kind of pumped for that. Yeah. It could be interesting. It's just a little bit less glossy. That's like, you know, it's just like, I remember like watching the the Power Rangers movie and I just thought, this is too glossy. It's too futuristic. Traditional. Yeah, Yeah, I'm with you. Stay traditional. I don't have a good transition for this one, but a couple more stories for the the big topic of the week, which isn't that huge. But anyway, um, Noah Centineo was cast as uh, in the Black Adam movie. Um, Do you know anything about Black Adam? I do not. I, so I read this. I do not know anything about Black Adam. So yeah. you fill in the blanks for me there. Here you go. As our resident DC guy. Um, so he's <laughs> he's been cast as a character called Adam Smasher. Uh, Adam Smasher popped up in, I believe, DC's Legends of Tomorrow, which is one of the many Berlantiverse CW shows. Um, but he essentially has the ability to manipulate his molecular structure and grow or shrink depending on what's going on. Um, I believe that he's best described as like a frenemy of Black Adam. Black Adam is going to be played by Dwayne The Rock Johnson. Um, Black Adam has been a movie that's been in production for quite a while. Uh, It's been rumored for many, many years. It's finally supposed to come out uh, at the end of next year, 2021. Um, And ultimately, they're thinking that will lead up to a confrontation with Zachary Levi's uh, Shazam because Black Adam and Shazam have a huge back and forth. Um, but Noah Centineo in there is kind of interesting because they are pretty much frenemies, right? So, um, meaning that they're against one another for a while, but then I think they both kind of, uh, team up and wreak havoc on the world and all that jazz. So, um, Noah Centineo though, starting to make a name for himself, huh? So this is very interesting. I'm looking him up right now and I was looking him up earlier. Um, and he is actually in, um, the perfect date. Um, when you said heartthrob. That was the first one I thought of. I was like, yeah. it's probably him because he's like the Netflix darling. And that's actually, and that's the only thing I like. I didn't really know anything about Black Adam, but that's my one take is that this is a brilliant move 
to cast this guy because this is someone that can bring in the younger crowd. I mean, we all know Dwayne Johnson's a heartthrob. He just is. He's charming. He's amazing. But, you know, for the teenage girls, they want to see Noah in there. And um, I know that this is a, like this is a fabulous market for these superhero movies because I remember when I went to see Spider-Man Far From Home, you know, I went to see it alone. I was chilling back here, you know, back in the theater like I always do. And there is just a throng of high school teenage girls that, you know, do not care about anything that's happening with Spider-Man or Nick Fury or Mysterio. But whenever Tom Holland and Zendaya were on the um, screen, it was, oh, my God, oh, my God. And I'm not meaning to bash them for that, but that just shows that they're like, you know, like people will see this movie just for the actor that's in it. Um, I don't think that happened with Harry Styles and Dunkirk, but you know, in this situation, like people, like you know, the younger crowd will see it when that kid is in it, and so I think he's a young, spunky guy. And you were talking about how he can change like shape or shape yeah. change sizes and stuff, and you know, the young, spunky kind of guy would probably work with that. I think that you know, that you're you're matching two different charismas right there that I think works really well. Yeah, I think you're exactly right there. I don't know much more about the character. Um, I, I don't know if it's a good, like, young casting or not, but uh, it should be pretty interesting. It's I, I like what DC's doing with some of the more unknown characters. I think Adam Smasher isn't one of, like, the main level characters, uh, but bringing him in and kind of giving him a platform is pretty pretty exciting. Um, and I'm, I'm excited to see what The Rock does with that role. We've yet to see him in a uh, major comic book film. Um so this could be, I'm not forgetting one, am I? I don't know. He hasn't been in a comic book movie, right? Yes. No. And it's difficult to imagine that because like he's, he's just in so many big movies. He was the highest paid actor, like yeah. you know, one, one of the recent years. And so it's really difficult to imagine that he hasn't been in one, but I do not think he has. Yeah. It's funny. As I said that, it sounded wrong coming out of my mouth. I'm like, he had to have been right. Right. Um, so that would be interesting. Uh, I'm, I'm a big DC guy, so I'm excited for that. Um, and we'll, we'll see where they go. I, I think they've been on the right track with how they've been leaning into some more comedy and fun with their, their movies. So, um, we'll, we'll see what happens there, but our final story before the top story of the week, how do you feel about a home alone reboot happening? And let me tell you a little bit about it before you even answer that. Um, so Disney plus is rebooting home alone for their own property, their own streaming service. Uh, the main character, the main kid, will be played by Archie Yates from Jojo Rabbit. I'm pretty pumped about that. That sounds great. That is you, you were speechless. That, you were absolutely speechless when I said like, that. <laughs> that that's lovely. Yeah, you know, like you know, he he's lovely, and I think Keenan Thompson and Chris Parnell are just absolute titans of comedy. Um, they should uh, all together, the three of them should get together. And star in an original property. <laughs> Come on, like, I mean, listen, I, I I get it. You're 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 bringing back nostalgia, and I'm gonna watch this, and I'm probably gonna laugh because they're th- those are all all three of those are very fun people. But uh, I don't know. I, I, well, I, I you also have Unbreakable Kimmy Schmidt in there, uh, Ellie Kemper, and Rob Delaney in there. I'm I'm assuming that they're the parents. I really yeah. believe they're, they're probably the parents. And then Keenan Thompson and Chris Parnell, I'm assuming are going to be the like sticky bandits S characters. Yes. But I don't know. I, yeah, excuse me. Excuse me. Sticky bandits. Um, I, 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 I'm wet bandits. Sticky <laughs> was never really established. He tried to get that to establish. However, they were called wet bandits the entire time. 
I'd like to support the underdogs and I would like for, you know, those who want to have their voices heard to have a platform here at the guy at the movies podcast with Joe and Sean. So let's say sticky bandits. <laughs> However, yeah, many years stuff. later, <laughs> like, what would you say? This is the real hot take debate on the nineties movie. Like, <laughs> Yeah, this is the one. This is the one. All right. So, Big discussion this week that we wanted to get into. Um, you know, every week we try to have a little deeper of a discussion on one of the stories that came out, and we had two that popped out this past week regarding uh, video game adaptations, which we've been seeing a lot of here. So the first one is that the video game Just Cause is next up for a film adaptation. Uh, the Stuber director Michael Douse is going to be the one helming this, uh, and the John Wick creator is penning the script, which I think is kind of cool, actually. Uh, the whole series follows a secret agent for a fictitious U.S. agency who is sent to overthrow oppressive regimes. Uh, yeah, so that one's coming, as well as Uncharted, which has been, they've been trying to get this going for God knows how long. I think it went through like seven or eight directors before it finally settled uh, on Ruben Fleischer, who is the Zombieland and Venom director. Um, but this is from Sony. It is starring Tom Holland, uh, and Mark Wahlberg as well. So speaking of Tom Holland a few seconds ago, what is your relationship with video game movies? So um, I uh, grew up without video games. Um, it was, you know, I, on, honestly, like it was, you know, it was a choice for my folks. And it's a choice that I don't actually hate too much anymore because um, I am, a, uh, in other terms, I uh, am a bro that watches Dark Knight, crushes Bud Lights, and, you know, also watches football. So the fact that like, you know, the fact that video games didn't enter my life, it's like, oh, good. There's one thing that I'm not a typical bro on. I, I recently, just before this, finished a golf game. So there's really a ton of stuff that's going against me with the exception of video games. Now, I have seen some video game adaptations. However, I don't know what any of them mean until I watch the video game adaptations. Much like, you know, with the comic books, I have no idea who uh, Black Adam is. Um, but you know, I'll know, I'll know who I know who Captain America and Iron Man are because I've seen <laughs> the movies. <laughs> so that, that's where I am with this stuff. So, you know, the same thing with the video games, you know, I, I, I'll see, I'll watch the movies and I'll know stuff about them through there. Um, so I, I've compiled a list ooh. of a bunch of movies, uh, video game adaptations, and I want to know your thoughts on them. So first off, have you seen this movie and what are your thoughts if you did? Ready? Okay. Let's do it. Doom, starring Dwayne The Rock Johnson. I have not seen it. Okay. Lara Croft, Tomb Raider, both versions, Angelina Jolie and Alicia Vikander. I've seen the Angelina... There it is. I have seen the Angelina Jolie version. I have not seen the Alicia Vikander version. Okay. Thoughts on it? Was Did you like the Angelina Jolie? I think that that was the perfect early aughts, late 90s movie um, in terms of the action, in terms of what's needed. Um, I, I loved it for that reason. Um, I think, you know, I, I think it's a good, solid, good, solid action movie. I'll put it down. I, I saw it at a very young age. So, you know, Angelina Jolie. But, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. um, I'll tell you that the Alicia Van, uh, Vikander one too is, I actually really liked it. I think it's more true to the, the storyline that you get in the games, uh, a little more grounded. Um, so I, I recommend that one. As I also recommend Super Mario Brothers. <laughs> oh my goodness. This is okay. So wait a minute. This is the um, uh, Bob Hoskins, Dennis Hopper. Bob Hoskins 
played Super Mario. Can we all just like just sit back for a second in our chairs in whatever you are right now? If you're on your morning commute to working at home, which doesn't make sense, just realize that Bob Hoskins played Super. I'm never gonna forget that. And, and it was John yeah. Leguizamo as uh, Luigi, right? I think it was John Leguizamo as Luigi, which was that that that. that, that that casting makes a little bit more sense. I like that casting. Bob Hoskins' casting isn't totally off, and he still just rocks the hell out of that character. But Bob Hoskins. Like, yeah, it's an odd I, choice. I really do love it, though. Like, I, I, I do. It, in all of its ridiculousness, the fact that the Goombas are just terrifying. Like, they're just like, you know, oh, what are these? Oh, they're these little, like, you know, mushroom heads. Let's make them terrifying. <laughs> I'm like, all right, that works. Like, Somebody recently made a comment about the Goomba, uh, some recent movie that like the the creatures looked like the Goombas, like it was a leftover crappy costume, and I was like, whoa, 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 crappy. <laughs> um, so the movies I'll defend are really great, but anyway, uh, how about this year's Sonic the Hedgehog? I loved this year's Sonic the Hedgehog, and I understand its faults i understand its ridiculousness um when i'm sometimes when i'm uh when i'm seeing these movies you you look at the reactions of the kids um when a kid was watching uh captain america finally pick up a hammer and start construction i was it was just it was probably the most beautiful moment in avengers endgame like you know when i saw a kid look at captain america lifting um up the hammer i'm not going to pronounce it i'm not going to pronounce it <laughs> just lifts it up and the kid just goes yeah so i see a kid come out of the theater before i'm about to see sonic and he is bolting and he says gotta go fast and he runs straight into a movie bench and just <laughs> like bloody nose completely and i'm like that kid before the bloody nose had pure joy and you know you, you could say that you know the movie had flaws in character development and had horrifying horrifying product placement. I mean, it's just capitalism has just completely won. I, I'm, I'm surprised it wasn't called Olive Garden Presents Sonic the Hedgehog because at this point it was it, it was really terrifying. Um, <laughs> but, you know, you have Jim Carrey in an amazing role where you bring back 90s Carrey, which is the most important thing to me is bringing back 90s Carrey. And you make him have the most fun. Uh, ben Schwartz, who is absolutely charming and great in the comedic voice. And the movie was for kids. And normally I don't let that slide. Normally I'm like, you know, hey, kids movies should also be good. And this had its flaws, but I really did love this movie. I'm with you. I, I was pleasantly surprised how much I enjoyed it. Um, I think there's obviously it's going to get a sequel because it did so well. And um, it, it's also just one of those weird case studies about fans coming out against a film at first and having impact in, or in impact and how the final product really came to be. So the design of Sonic was atrocious when they first released yeah. it. Uh, and they finally, you know, they, they went back, they spent a ton of money, I believe uh, $2 million maybe, or maybe it was more, five, I don't know. I'm going to make up numbers, but it was in the millions uh, to redesign Sonic. And they got it to be pretty much identical to what we know Sonic to be. So, I enjoyed it. It was fun. It's campy. It's product placement stuff. It's, you know, it's something that I'll see a sequel to. So Mortal Kombat. I did not see. Oh my God. I know. I know. <laughs> oh my God. You can find the DVD for like $3 at Best Buy. It's fun. Um, Mortal Kombat also has a sequel, Mortal Kombat Annihilation, and also is getting rebooted. 
It'll be coming out in January, and apparently it is going to be, well, January, who knows? It's coming um, out in January. <laughs> <laughs> but apparently it's going to be pretty gruesome and stuff. They're like leaning into the video game fatality stuff. So who knows? Could be fun. Um, what wasn't fun was Rampage. Did you see Rampage? See, this was a very big disappointment to me because while I didn't like play many video games, I would go over to friends' houses and occasionally play video games. And that was loud and everything like that. I wasn't like, you know, stricken from playing video games. I don't want to make it seem like, you know, <laughs> I got in trouble for playing at my friend's house. But I um, loved Rampage because it was just like, you know, monsters destroying crap. And so I didn't see this movie. And it's because I didn't really want to because I was like, well, the best part of Rampage is just monsters destroying crap. And, you know, that that's not really going to make a great movie. And apparently it didn't. Did you see it? The movie? No, no, but I, oh, I well, heard well. apparently it didn't. Yeah. It just, uh, I like, again, I'm all for dumb movies. I will always like argue mindless movies are just as important as Oscar winners um, for different reasons, but it was just, it was atrocious. That's going to be my <laughs> word of the night. Atrocious. Um, all right, final one: the Hitman movies. Uh, I'm thinking the original one with Timothy Timothy Oliphant. I have not seen those. No, he had the barcode on the back of his. Uh, yeah. Phone, right? No, I haven't seen those. They rebooted them with mm-hmm. Rupert Fiend, I believe, from um, yeah. uh, what's the show? Game of Thrones. What Game of Thrones? I thought he was on Game of Thrones, but then he left Game of Thrones to play the Hitman, which was a great call. I thought he was, wasn't he the guy that was on that one on Showtime or Good. something with um, Claire Danes where she is the, she's Homeland. like this Homeland. That's the one. I thought he was on that. I'm going to do a quick uh, search there. Do it up. Do, I think yeah, that's where Now I'm very curious because I do remember if it's the guy I'm thinking of, um, uh, he, um, he, Game of Thrones pulled like every English person in the world. So I'm sure yeah. that. He probably and, was. He left to, and, and then they replaced him without even saying anything. And the guy was completely different, uh, <laughs> which was the weirdest move that Game of Thrones made and would have been their worst decision until season eight. <laughs> yeah. It was, uh, I, I like the first one with Timothy Oliphant. The second one wasn't, or the reboot of it wasn't bad with uh, Rupert Fiend. But uh, it's funny because the Oliphant one gets a lot of crap saying that it wasn't good. And of course, that's the one I liked. So. So I will walk back my statement. He was in Homeland. He was not in Game of Thrones. Interesting. I must be thinking of someone else. But uh, yeah, he was not in Game of Thrones. I'm going to do some further research on that later. (laughs) Do some deep diving on that one. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm with you there. I, why do you think we're seeing a, a resurgence of video game movies? It feels like for a long time we weren't getting many and they weren't i mean they're not regarded the best right like a video game adaptation usually falls you also had ones like assassin's creed which with Mike, michael fassbender that didn't do well you had prince of persia where they cast jake gyllenhaal for some god awful reason um love jake gyllenhaal not culturally appropriate for the character um and that was i think that was disney too now that yeah, i think about it, was, it it was like a pirate of the caribbean trying to be a pirate of the caribbean which did not work right so, I mean, uh, Sonic, of course, was a success for the studio. People generally liked it. It was well-reviewed. Um, and of co- now we're getting a bunch of other ones, right? Uncharted, Just Cause. And we're also what? getting um, The Last of Us, but that's going to be an HBO um, uh, right. Um I think that, uh, you know, you know, I, I'm not going to be the guy. I'm not going to do this. I'm not going to say that Hollywood's run out of ideas because there are plenty of ideas. 
Like we made a movie about a cow. Like it, there's plenty <laughs> of ideas out there. Um, I'm, I think that people want, you know, want the IPs and they're curious to see where they can go. They're curious to retell a certain story. It's the reason people want to retell novels on Netflix. They, they want to try to tell this story in their way. Um, there's people that, you know, want to tell their own stories. There's people that want to tell, you know, try to retell uh, a story. And I think it comes with the same there. I think that when you look at a video game, it gets really, really difficult to try to adapt that. So that's kind of like the white whale. I mean, not many have worked that well. Sonic is one of the few I can think of that worked. I mean, Lara Croft was a pretty solid cultural icon. Um, and I think that, you know, we look at this and we say, we want to, um, oh man, I lost my train of thought, but you know, we just want, we, we want you know, the, like to try to tell that story in a new and enlightening way. Um, and you know, I look at, I look at adaptations. Um, I look at adaptations and I think, man, I just, I, I should do this cause I freaked out at home alone, which I shouldn't do. And I'm not freaking out at the video game ones cause I don't know anything about them. <laughs> what, what I should really say here is that, you know, I've, I've said this in past podcasts and it's just, you know, if it's good, it's good. It's a very weird Buddhist type of saying to give, but it's well, the, the way I want to say it is that you know something could be good if it's good, and you know it should be given that chance. Who knows? Maybe the Home Alone remake will be good. Like maybe you know the 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 net other try at Mortal Kombat will be good. It's released in January. Like I I I want to say that you know things could be good. If it's good. I look at Invisible Man, where I did not expect anything from that. A horror movie yeah. released in February, that's going to be shit. And it was not. I think that that's something that could really, like, you know, be, uh, you know, be good with it. Um, I think I'm with you. Yeah. Like, I'm totally with you. I mean, I, uh, if a movie's going to be like a good movie is a good movie is a good movie, right? I think what's interesting about what you were saying kind of likening the adaptations of video games to books. The only, I agree with that. There's a set story, there's characters. It's, you know, I think more, more contained and kind of handed to you to do something with where I think they run into problems a lot is these video games are like cult classics in most, most cases, like video game fans are intense. Um, and it's kind of like Star Wars fans in a way, right? Like they're, yeah. they're very, very intense. Don't screw with their property. And what you get from video games is having already seen the world built, the characters cast, so to speak. You already have an idea now what they look like because you were told what they look like via the video games um, and what the, the worlds look like. Whereas in books, like sure, you get descriptions and stuff and you kind of imagine them in your head, but it's different than seeing what the character looks like in, in person. So I do think that a lot of them struggle there. Um, but I, the other, the other thing is that they have become, and they be in video games have become much more complicated in a, in a good way. I think the stories are more robust now. Um, Sonic, obviously not, but like, that's not a whole robust story. It's just a fun one. Um, but you know, the last of us is very robust and just cause has, you know, a, a really, I think, can be a relevant story in a way and can be made modern in terms of what um, what's going on in the world and, you know, politics today. So I don't know. I'll see, here's the thing. I'll see them. Right. <laughs> yeah. And that, that's one of the things, like if it looks good, I'll go for it. Um, if, yeah, you're right. But video games do not have the best track record. 
Um, and I think, you know, you're the, the fans are going to be like, they made that person different. Like, right, right. Like, and, you know, sometimes maybe it's not good that they made that person different. And, you know, you could argue that maybe the story would have been better if that person was the same as the video game. But um, it, it just it creates a whole situation. <laughs> we got a situation here. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm with you. I, I totally agree with you there. Um, I I'm excited to see what comes down the road. There are some older properties that I would like to see remade. There's an old one called Double Dragon that I don't really remember much about. Um, but I remember liking it, but I also was like 10. So <laughs> uh, who knows how I really felt about that, but I would like to see that redone. Um, I also would like to see, there's some like really kooky video games. Like there was one called Banjo-Kazooie on uh, uh, N64, which I think would be fun. And then there was Toe Jam and Earl. <laughs> <laughs> like really, really dumb ones. So, I would say, um, although I didn't play many video games, uh, uh, I would love to see. I, it doesn't seem possible to make this into a movie, but Crash Bandicoot was a big thing for me. Crash Bandicoot was just like you know that I loved that video game so much, and a Crash Bandicoot movie. I think it would have to be animated. <laughs> it was just like you know. <laughs> I agree. I totally agree with that. I also think that there was one, um, the Spyro, which kind of goes Spyro the Dragon, which kind of was the same same yeah. time. Mm -hmm. I think that could also be one that uh, is, you know, fun. That that if they want to continue on the the path of reaching out to kids and trying to make family friendly movies, like they did with Sonic, um, I think they're ones that they'll definitely get to. But I'm with you. Speaking of track records, you you were wrong tonight on uh, your your Game of Thrones trivia and Lovin's Loves Entertainment coming in here with the the answer. Um, Ed, Ed Screen, 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 whatever. Well, it's pronounced Sheeran. Oh, <laughs> oh God. Who was <laughs> actually in Game of Thrones? I was so. going to say, I was going to say. I helped us all. <laughs> uh, well, that um, was a ton of movie news we covered. Yeah, that was a lot of stuff going on. Um, a whole lot. Yeah. Good week, good week. Good, good week and it's only Tuesday so um, yeah. let's, let's see like tomorrow the news will drop about Mulan getting moved Yep. Um, what else we have Comic Con at home starts tomorrow there's not many movie things coming out except for uh, I think Thursday maybe it is is a new mutants panel where they'll probably announce what they're doing with it so hold me out Comic Con it's digital this year I, I read something on this all digital all free wow yeah oh, that's my the, weekend a lot of a lot of the big um, movie studios, like Marvel's not going to be there. Um, trying to think who else is usually there that makes a spot. Like Disney obviously usually has stuff. Um, so there's not a ton of movie stuff, but there's a really interesting like Charlize Theron panel uh, this, about like her career and her like, her action focus. So I'm looking forward to that. But um, so yeah, outside of that, there's a couple new releases that we have. Uh, we have The Kissing Booth 2, which is another one of those like rom-coms for teens on Netflix. Um, I know you're very excited about that. You told me earlier. Psyched. Really. Uh, <laughs> we have uh, James Franco. Wait, Dave Franco. Dave Franco, yeah. Dave Franco. Um, Dave Franco's directorial debut, The Rental, comes out on Friday. With his, uh, starring his wife, Allison Brie. How, oh, there, I didn't know that was his wife. Yeah. Interesting. <laughs> Alex and Brie and Dan Stevens, right? Uh, yeah, and Dan Stevens is in it as well, which sounds great. 
and then uh, Radioactive um, on VOD, which I watched last week and really enjoyed it. Um, I was I I really believe that. Uh, oh God, I'm forgetting the actress's name right now. Rosamund Pike. Thank you. Uh, the Rosamund Pike's going to be uh, like it's an Oscar role for her, I believe. But everyone is telling me that I'm dumb, so um, we'll see. <laughs> I don't know, whatever. But um, we didn't talk about what we've been watching. Have you watched anything recently that's kind of tickled your fancy? <laughs> so it was all documentaries all the time for uh, this guy um, this week. And uh, I'd say that the, I'm just going to go over the number one documentary uh, I watched. Was, um, uh, it was fantastic. It was uh, on Amazon, rented for like, you know, about seven bucks or so. Um, inmate number one, The Rise of Danny Trejo. It was a documentary about Danny Trejo's career. And this is one of those situations where I feel like, um, you know, this is one of those documentaries that cheated because it had a fascinating subject. And so it was that fascinating. Um, and all they had to do was cover it. However, this documentary covered it gracefully and didn't just cover it exploitatively. Uh, <clears throat> Tiger King. Um, <laughs> This was just, I mean, Dan, like, like the, first of all, you got Dan Trejo, you're, he's getting interviewed, and he is just lovely, charming, funny, you know, scary at times. He, he is just an absolute great interview subject, but he is, um, you know, and so the, the, it, the documentary does shift to a plea for diversity in Hollywood. It talks about, like, giving second chances because he had one hell of a life. If you don't know anything about Dan Trejo, I won't say anything, but definitely watch this documentary. Nice. Very nice. I, I know you watch Showbiz Kids as well as another documentary, right? I love Showbiz Kids as well. Yeah. It was uh, directed by uh, Alex Winter, which is very interesting because he was yeah. a showbiz kid. And um, he um, it was just about child stars. And um, it was great because, you know, you think child stars and you think, oh, yeah, you know, uh, OD'd, um, you know, like, you know, went to rehab, things like that. And that stuff is covered. Um, but it really talks about just the minor psychological effects that being a child star can have. And I thought that was something that was really marvelous. Like I, I really enjoyed like, you know, where they went into that and, you know, the interviews were very, very in depth. The people interviewing who, you know, were all former child stars knew what they were talking about, but were able to express it in a very intelligent way. Yeah. And it was pretty troubling. I mean, when they got to some of the me too stuff and the harassment and uh, abuse that, that really kind of got really real for me. Um, stuff that you hear about all the time, but I guess the, the, the piece that really bothered me was these individuals that they interviewed like Mila Jovovich, uh, Mara Wilson, um, uh, who else am I thinking? Cameron Boyce, the late Cameron Boyce who passed yeah. away. Um, that they all talked about being kids, seeing this stuff. Cameron Boyce didn't, but the others did seeing yeah. this stuff on set. Evan Rachel Wood talked about it. Um, and you know, that's a lot to wrestle with and I can't imagine, but well, it was interesting how they structured it. Cause they had, um, you know, child stars from the silent film era. Cause there was one woman who was, I think like 101, um, who was getting interviewed and then they went all the way to Cameron voice. Um, and you know, it was very touching at the end, the two of them, the, the two of them died, uh, before the uh, film was completed. And yeah. so they, they managed to dedicate it to those two. Um, but it was really great cause you know, like child stars in the silent film era were literally used as a prop. And, you know, then you have Cameron who still has struggles with it, still has struggles, struggle with the fame. Um, but it seemed like the system was a little bit better, like mm -hmm. where he was. It, it's, it still wasn't great, but it just showed that like, okay, maybe we are learning something from it. Uh, maybe there is a little bit better. You saw the story of uh, two child stars trying to make it like, which was an yeah. interesting parallel. And that's where you, you know, you look at it and you, you sort of, you have this like, 
terror in you where it's like, oh God, this could be, you know, this could be the same, this could go the same way or it could go the way of like, you know, maybe they're being a bit more responsible with this. Yeah. Cameron's story was really interesting because it was that transition from childhood Disney star Mm -hmm. to more serious, you know, adult star. I think he was 20 years old when he passed away, maybe, maybe 21. I think he was 20. Um, but you know that's that's something that we've seen so many Disney stars go through and the struggles that they've had later on and the turmoil. So that was pretty you fascinating. Saw, you saw it in the interview, like he he said yeah. "fuck" and he like almost freaked out. He's like, "What am I allowed to do?" Can I say that? Can I say that? Such an organic moment that was great. Yeah, yeah, I'm with you. I watched that. Um, I've been catching up on some movies that I haven't seen or hadn't seen that I wanted to. So like, uh, I saw Body Cam starring Mary J. Blige which is a police uh, drama that you know uses body cam footage but it's there's a paranormal aspect to it so it's the review is coming um, <laughs> uh, and then 7500 with Joseph Gordon-Levitt on Amazon um, and you and I were texting a little bit about that I, I I liked it I was very annoyed that they went the route of um, Muslim individuals hijacking Muslim men hijacking a plane and they really never gave a reason for it um, so it, it just kind of, I don't know. I was like, we've done this before. We've played this out. The one thing I thought it had going, two things I thought it had going for it was you never leave the cockpit. The whole movie is in the cockpit. And I thought that was pretty cool. Uh, and then Joseph Gordon Levitt, there was a point where his performance went from just being like meh to like, to pretty good. Yeah. Um, I, I was really surprised by that, but a lot of it was predictable. Um, I don't know. I wasn't really into it. Yeah, for a one-setting movie, I think it was, like, an interesting idea. I thought it was great. Um, I think that, yeah, the, the problem was, yeah, the, the, the Muslim villains who, they did give a reason for why they hijacked the plane. They literally said it's because we are Muslim. And I'm like, yeah. oh, a white person definitely wrote this. Like, it was it was really, like, I was just like, oh, come on. Like, like it just kind of was gross. It was frustrating. Um, yeah. But, you know, it was, I don't know. It is what it is. It was a good performance by uh, by Joseph Gordon Levitt, JGL, if you will. Um, <laughs> sounds like he's on his way back, which is kind of nice. Uh, he's got really some other movies. Though. Yeah, like yeah. he's doing this. He's doing Power on Netflix, which should be interesting. But. Yeah. Um, and I also watched the last one. I'll talk about was I saw uh, this old. So it's weird. It's a DC Comics um animated movie but it's pieced together from cw short animated clips but i actually did a really good job with it like it's it you can't tell at all it's a full movie but it's a character called the ray um which was an old character i believe and then they rebooted him in 2017 and he became the first um lgbt character and or superhero and i had heard about it and just never really kind of gave it much thought um but he i watched it last night just because i wanted something mindless and i really loved it um i like i really liked it i was very surprised i'm usually not an animated superhero movie person but um they don't shy away from you know talking about corrupt politicians from talking about struggles in the world from racial inequality to lgbtqia rights um you know, him coming out to his parents, uh, trying to figure out who you are and coming to terms with that before you can, you know, to, to be yourself and be the superhero, so to speak. It, I just really enjoyed it. It was a lot of fun. Um, it was very open and honest. I may have ordered the Blu-ray already. Um, I did is the answer to that. Um, 
it may or may not be the background on my computer right now. It is, <laughs> is the answer to that as well. So I, I just really enjoyed it. It was a pleasant surprise. Um, and I'm hoping that you see that character pop up somewhere else. Um, he was in one of the crossovers. Uh, Russell Tovey, the actor, um, play, played him in, I think, one episode of the crossover. He also voiced him in the in the uh, animated, too. So that was kind of fun. Um, I'm going to put that up, I think, as uh, the Queer Movie Monday post on uh, Monday because it's just a different dynamic uh, and different type of film that really touches on that stuff. So I enjoyed it. Pleasant surprise. <laughs> All right. So I'm tired. I am, too. <laughs> no, actually, I'm not. When we do these podcasts, I'm wound up and I I, I end up staying up for another hour or two. So but. <laughs> Sam's like going to bed. She's like, I can't. We got to. <laughs> she, she like, yeah, she stays in her in the room. Her room. Jeez. What am I saying? <laughs> she stays in the room and like, you know, pretty much I'm out here, you know. <laughs> Crazy, crazy. So, Sean, tell us, uh, tell everyone where they can find you. You can find me on Instagram at Math Teacher Movies. I'm posting a ton of reviews. I'm trying. I got a big time backlog of a lot of classic movies I've watched, so I'm trying to post them, you know, periodically. So you'll be getting a lot of really old movies, which are, I know, incredibly popular, and I'm sure they would have been on that Netflix top ten. But uh, you know, I also do any upcoming movies coming out. Um, I think uh, I'm going to be sick when The Kissing Booth two comes out. I don't know if I'll be able to make that one but I'll definitely be uh, reviewing the others. So math teacher movies on Instagram. Yeah. You do some cool stuff with retro reviews as well as the modern reviews. And like you were just referencing, you're all over with documentaries and all different kinds of genres. So they're, they're a lot of fun and the visuals are cool too. I'm, I'm like thinking maybe I should go that route. (laughs) We'll see. Um, so guys, I'm Guy at the Movies, uh, GuyAtTheMovies.com and Guy at the Movies on Instagram. Want to remind everyone that tomorrow night at 7.30 p.m. Eastern on YouTube is Guy's Movie Quizzo, uh, Star Wars edition, which is I did all the questions today um, and I'm terrified that I am going to get called out on wrong answers or something. So that should be fun. Uh, we will have a blast with that. Please uh, subscribe, like, comment, do whatever you do. Uh, This will be popping up as the Guy at the Movies podcast with Joe and Sean tomorrow morning, Wednesday morning at 7 a.m. Eastern time. Uh, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, and anywhere else that you listen to your podcasts. Um, Please feel free to leave comments. We will respond. We will incorporate them into the show. We are continuing to try to make this show better. Uh, otherwise we will see you next week at 9 p.m. Eastern on Tuesday. Uh, and please wear your damn mask. Sean, later. Have a good one.